Hello and welcome to The Cross Examination, where we discuss all things regarding the cross of Jesus Christ and the Word of God, where no doctrine goes unexamined, no stone unturned, a place where tradition holds no sway, and it doesn't matter if the church has practiced it a certain way for 400 years, it doesn't matter if your grandma has passed it down to your mom who handed it to you. If it's not congruent with biblical exegesis, then it must face a cross-examination. My name is Greg Crawford, and I'm bringing this podcast to you from beautiful Soldatna, Alaska. Today we're going to discuss the topic of judging. I'm not referring to the judgment that takes place at the end of time, where God uh, determines who will and who will not enter into eternal life, but rather the topic of when a person judges another person. Is that acceptable? It seems today that the predominant consensus is that judging is wrong in all forms, shapes, and sizes. In fact, most of the time, if you try to tell somebody that what they're doing is a sin, they will usually quote you a verse. They probably don't know where it's found, but they will whip it out and they will say, do not judge me. The Bible says not to judge. Jesus said, do not judge. Well, where that's found is in Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to start reading in verse 1. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, verse 1 is what I really want to focus on real quick. And it says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. That is the verse that gets quoted over and over. And in fact, in my own experience, I would go as far to say that that is the most popular, the, the most highly quoted verse in the entire Bible, probably by non-Christians, definitely, and maybe even Christians as well. The sad part is it's usually used when people are trying to cover up their own sin or promote tolerance for a certain action that is uh, has been traditionally held as contrary to God's will. So, looking at this, what is Jesus saying? Is Jesus really telling us not to ever correct anybody? Is Jesus saying that we should never call something sin? Well, to find out what Jesus is saying, we need to go to the context of this passage. Anytime you want to interpret properly a passage of Scripture, you need to take the context. Too many times people have pulled verses out of context and have just use them at their own will to say whatever it is they want to say. Many cults are formed by doing this. They take a verse that is pulled out of its context and they say, this is what it means and this is how we're going to reform our doctrine. And it's very dangerous to do that. If we're really seeking truth and we really believe that God's word is truth, then we will discover that by finding out what God really meant when he said what he said. So, the context here, if we go back a chapter, we'll see that the Bible, Jesus addresses prayer properly, praying to God, fasting, a proper response to God through fasting, um, giving to the needy. He does his uh, discourse on 
storing up treasure in heaven. He tells us not to worry about the things on the earth because God's going to take care of our needs. And then following the verse that says, do not judge, we see that we're not to give to the dogs what is sacred. Further past what we read, it gives us the famous golden rule verse, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, he talks about the wide and narrow gate, about how many are going to follow uh, the wide road to destruction, but a few are going to go up the narrow gate, which leads to life eternal. And then he finishes off by saying, false prophets can be known by their fruit or their actions. And so obviously the context here, Jesus is showing his followers, those that are listening to this discourse, how they can form a right relationship with God and a right relationship with man. These two things are seen uh, in the Bible over and over and over that Jesus is emphasizing a proper relationship with God and a proper relationship with people. In fact, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. See, there is a right relationship with God and a right relationship with man. I think if we look at the context here, we will see that this command to not judge is not really a general principle or rule that is to be applied in every situation, but rather is addressed specifically to a certain type of person in a specific type of situation. Look at the word in verse 5 here. He calls the person judging a hypocrite. Now, if you look back in our context, you'll see that when he talks about prayer, he calls that person a hypocrite, a person that prays just to be seen. Why is he a hypocrite? Well, because he is appearing to be holy when really he is just trying to, to be uh, exalted and to be holier than thou. He is appearing to be a person that is very spiritual, but he's really not. He is a hypocrite. He goes on to talk about the person fasting, the person who is fasting not for God, not to be in the right relationship with God, but rather he's fasting in order to appear holy, spiritual, and just such a great person. That's what they're trying to do, these hypocrites. They're trying to get the praise of man rather than to please God with their actions. And they go around saying, oh, I'm so hungry, I'm so hungry, I haven't eaten in so long, oh, feel sorry for me, look at me, I'm so great. That's what these people are doing. And Jesus points them out and says, you're a hypocrite. And he goes on to show the hypocrisy in various ways in chapter 6, and then as soon as he gets to chapter 7, people want to assume that he's no longer talking to the hypocrites, but he's just talking to everybody. Don't judge. Don't you dare say that something's wrong. That would be completely godless. Well, I don't buy that for a minute, because obviously he's still on the topic of hypocrisy. Why is it hypocritical for someone to judge? Why is it hypocritical for me to say that abortion or homosexuality is a sin. Well, it would be hypocritical if behind the scenes I really didn't believe that and I really supported those those things, but yet out loud in the public eye I said another thing. That's what's hypocritical. If I am a closet drunk, but yet I am out daily trying to get people 
off the bottle, that would be hypocritical. If I use profanity in my language all the time at work and then I come home and try to correct my wife and children, that would be hypocritical. Do you see what's happening there? And I think Jesus points out that that's exactly what he is talking about. He says, don't try to clean sawdust out of your brother's eye when you yourself have sawdust in your own eye. What is the point in doing that? You can't help a person if you struggle with the same thing. If you're having an affair with your wife, you have no reason to try to help someone else in their marriage and judge them for the way that they're doing things in their home. That just doesn't make sense. That's hypocritical. And that's what Jesus is addressing here is hypocrisy. The Bible says in various places that we are to judge. Paul tells the Corinthian church that they need to be judging. Too many times, many of the Christians were going to outside um, courts and to find people outside of the church that could tell them or judge over a certain matter. And Paul says, that's wrong. You need to take care of that in the church. Let the people that have the mind of Christ and the people that are, are biblical and following godly examples to be the ones that help you in judging these matters. He says, you guys really need to be telling each other what's right and what's wrong. Which, that sounds completely the opposite of what I hear every time I hear someone tell me, don't judge me. Well, I'm just trying to help. The Bible says in, in 2 Timothy um, chapter 3 that the Bible was given to us it was inspired by God and given to us for correction and for rebuke. It's given to us to help judge one another. You see, by saying do not judge and, and applying that as a general principle to all people, you have to ignore the rest of the Bible. Over and over and over in the Bible, judgments are placed. In fact, Jesus, immediately after he says do not judge, says don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give what's holy to the dogs. Now, how am I going to know that someone's a dog? How do I know that someone's a dog? Or how do I know that someone's a pig? Well, I have to look at what they do, what they say, how they treat one another, and how they respond to the gospel message. I have to look at all that, analyze it, and make a judgment to say, yeah, this person is a dog. Now, the minute I say that someone's a dog, what are you going to say to me? You're going to say, well, don't you judge me. Well, Jesus just told me that, but then said, don't give what's holy to the dogs. Also, we see, as we already shared in the context, just a few verses down, he says, don't follow the false prophets. You'll know them by their actions or fruit. Well, how am I going to know that a person's a false prophet if I don't judge their actions? If I don't look at those actions and say, you know, that's not right, that's wrong. If I just ignore it completely and absolutely say nothing and make no conscious observance about those actions, then I can never know whether a person is a false prophet or a true prophet. Someone that speaks the truth or is trying to deceive me like the Pharisees. And now that I've brought up that name, the Pharisees, these very... Um, quote, religious, unquote, people, they were the ones I think Jesus was really aiming this at. 
he's talking about the Pharisees who fast in public and pray in public, and, and they really tried to lord themselves over the rest of the people by making themselves out to be so holy and so sanctified that the common people weren't worthy to even be in their presence. I, I was just reading last night um, about the, the man who Jesus healed on the Sabbath. He put mud in his eyes and caused him to see, and uh, the Pharisees, when they found out that this man was healed by Jesus on the Sabbath. They had a fit over it. And one of the things they, they told him was, how dare you uh, try to teach us? You've been in your sin for so many years as you sat there blind. They were blaming his blindness on his own sinfulness, but that wasn't the case. But nonetheless, the Pharisees were lording themselves over this man and trying to make him out to be a sinner and them out to be righteous, holy ones of God. And Jesus is trying to correct all of that mess. He's saying these people are hypocrites. They say one thing and they do another. Now another interesting part of this passage is found in verse 5 where it says, You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Well, let's take uh, this passage for a minute and, and kind of envision what it would look like. Let's say a person has the speck of uh, filthy language. The person's cussing all the time, and so they are not qualified to judge another person and try to correct them on their language. I know that sounds silly, but I uh, right before I moved to Alaska last year, I had a neighbor that came over as I was loading the truck, and he was talking to me, and this man really swore every other word. I mean, literally swore every other word. And one of the things he started saying, he started talking about a lady who cussed too much. And as he was telling me about the lady that cussed too much, he probably used 30 cuss words. And I was just looking at him like, what in the world are you talking about? And so this kind of thing does happen. It really does. Um, so imagine that this guy uh, is cursing a lot and he's in no position to judge another person about cursing. Well, he first needs to take the plank out of his own eye. So he starts working on his language, and over the course of a year, he manages to clean up the way he talks, and he no longer cusses. In fact, he even puts a year behind him of straight language without any cussing. And so he goes, and now he is qualified to, to help other people with their problems. You see, before he wasn't, but the scripture says, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck. Jesus isn't saying here, don't you ever try to help someone with their problem. Don't you ever judge somebody. But rather he's saying, don't try to judge somebody if you're not qualified to do it. Don't try to help somebody with something that you can't even help yourself. Help yourself first, and then you can go help somebody else. I think that's what we're looking at here. The Pharisees were in no position to judge other people. The Pharisees were in no position to tell that blind man that he was a sinner and that Jesus shouldn't be healing on the Sabbath day and on and on and on the things that they accused him of because they themselves were fasting for the praise of men. They were praying for the praise of men. They were judging for the praise of men. They were doing every single thing being false prophets for the praise of men, and they didn't care at all about God, but yet every judgment they cast was in the name of God. If you truly don't care about God's righteousness, if you truly don't care about spreading uh, the, the name of Jesus Christ across the globe, 
then really you don't have any position to judge. Why would you care about judging? But for those of us that follow Jesus Christ and want to see him glorified in every tribe, in every tongue, at every nation's point, well then we may have something to judge. We may have a reason to, to bring the judgment. And I want to say something else about this. Because too often we call something judging when we are simply relaying the message of the judge. If I tell someone that they shouldn't commit adultery, am I really judging? I mean, we think of judgment as we go into a court and through a jury and a judge, they decide whether or not someone is guilty of something, whether or not something is right or something is wrong. That is the judgment. And we don't make those calls if we're simply relaying the message. If I'm telling someone not to commit adultery, I'm telling them that because the judge that sits on the, the judgment seat in heaven has already told us that that is wrong. The Bible already makes it clear not to commit adultery. Not only did it make it clear in the Ten Commandments, but Jesus elaborates on that in the New Testament as well as Paul. And so the judgment has already been made. I'm just being the messenger. Now, if you tell me, don't message me, then that's something completely different, but that's not biblical. But if you tell me, don't judge me, I'm not. God is. I'm just trying to do you a favor and help you to avoid that judgment. And I would expect the same treatment in return. If someone sees me doing something that is completely contrary to the word of God, I would hope that they would come to me and correct me over it, or at least relay the message that God has already said in his word. Point out to me, hey, you know, uh, Greg, the Bible says not to do what you're doing right there. You know, I should really appreciate that rather than be offended at it. But unfortunately, so many people get offended when you try to correct them. But after all, the Bible is for rebuke and for correction. And so whenever God's word is given, it is the judgment, not what I say, but rather what God says. So obviously it was wrong to judge for the Pharisees because they were not in a good relationship with God or man. In fact, they were calling things sin that weren't even really sin. The Pharisees had a long tradition of making up laws that sort of elaborated on God's law. And so if God said, keep the Sabbath holy, they made a thousand laws to clarify what God didn't, didn't even intend to be clarified. God said, keep the Sabbath holy. And uh, when he said that, he was trying to get people to relate to him properly. But the Pharisees had their own idea of what that meant. And so over time, they established a, a giant law book of different rules that had to be upheld. Rules that no one could ever hold because they were just too tedious. And the Pharisees pretty much established their own law, but called it God's law. When they did that, they began to judge, and anybody that didn't uphold their standard were considered sinners. And they were, once again, um, they were oppressed by these, these righteous, quote-unquote, people that claim to be godly in their fake fasting and their fake praying. So when somebody broke a law that God did not institute to begin with, the Pharisees would come and judge them for it. And I think Jesus is also addressing that here. He's saying, don't judge. 
Do not judge something that God has not called sin. And I know uh, we have a history, the church has a history of, of making a stance against things that the Bible never really calls sin. I know I was reading some old theological books uh, from D.L. Moody and other people, and um, the Sunday paper was considered one of the greatest sins. Um, the, the theater was considered one of the greatest sins of, of D.L. Moody's day. The uh, playing cards were considered one of the greatest sins. Now, does the Bible say that playing cards are wrong? Absolutely not. Does the Bible say that the Sunday paper is wrong? Absolutely not. Does the Bible say that the theater is wrong? Absolutely not. Now, there may be things in the theater, especially today, that the Bible absolutely does say is wrong, but let's not get off topic here. The fact is, so many times the church has made a stance against things that God never even said were wrong to begin with. Um, dancing. People say that dancing is wrong. And, of course, once again, yeah, there may be a, a type of dancing that is basically fornication, but dancing in general is never declared to be a sin in the Bible. And therefore, why do we cast judgment on other people? That is judging. When we say that something is wrong that God did not say is wrong, then we take the place of the judge. The Pharisees were doing that every single day. They were looking at people who were doing things that weren't sin. God had never declared what they were doing as sin, but the Pharisees made themselves higher than God by saying, yes, it is sin. They were saying that things were sin that God never did. And in fact, they were declaring the things that Jesus did as sin. They were saying that God was a sinner. Their law wasn't even performed by God himself. Their standard was something that even Jesus ended up breaking, mainly because Jesus didn't care for their law. He knew that it was fake. He knew that they were hypocrites, and they didn't even hold up to their own standard. But yet they still stood in the place of judgment. And when the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, do not judge, Jesus is addressing them because they are actually calling things sin that God did not call sin. They are in no place to judge because they themselves don't uphold their own law. And that's what we need to take from this today. I think we can basically conclude with this, that if you see that the Bible says that something is indeed wrong, without a shadow of a doubt, adultery, murder, uh, lying, if you see those things in Scripture, and you yourself are pure from those, we know that you're not without sin completely, but if you have a good hold in those areas, you were completely at liberty to help others overcome those sins. And by doing so, you're actually doing, doing a, a righteous work. The book of Jude talks about that in the end, about how it is, it is a great work to pull someone from the flames, meaning pulling them away from temptation and sin and, and what can lead to separation from God. This is something holy, something good. So don't let the world tell you not to judge. Because in reality, when you go and declare the good news and you go and declare what the Bible says using the Bible as a tool for correction and rebuke, you're not really judging. After all, God has already made the judgment in heaven. You are just being the messenger. And I pray that Christians everywhere will continue to shine their light and let the world see the sinful nature that they have and the, the darkness that they're in separate from God's will. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time right here at the Cross Examination.